Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 139, where in a moment we look at mortgages with no deposit. But please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programmes to date, we featured loads of stuff. Mortgages, investing, wills and powers of attorney and heaps more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last time we looked at investing in residential property with guest expert David Liddell. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts and you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. Joining me as always, the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? Good, thank you. So mortgages with no deposit is our subject for this week. I imagine they were all the rage at one point, but until recently, they, they become rarer than hen's teeth. So what's prompted the show on this, Phil? Yeah, Skip, Skipton Building Society, they recently introduced a 100% mortgage product. It's called the Track Record Mortgage, is, is what they've, they've actually called it. So I thought it'd be good to do a, a show on this, and we, we can talk a little bit about that product, but also go over some of the option, other options that people might not know very much about. So maybe a few different things to, to cover today, but we, we've been getting an awful lot of inquiries over the last few weeks on this skipped in 100% hmm. track record mortgage. So I thought it'd be a good subject to, to do the podcast on today. Okay, let's start at the beginning then. Mortgages with no deposit. I take it that's the same as a, a 100% mortgage, but what does that mean in real terms? Yeah, they're, they're pretty much the same thing, although it is sort of possible at times to have no deposit lending that wouldn't be classed as a 100% mortgage. So a couple of examples of that might be if, if you were buying a property at, say, a discounted price from a family member, some lenders will take the, the discounted price rather than the, the actual value of the property. Same as well, you, you've got some shared ownership and some shared equity schemes where you can borrow maybe like 100% of what you're actually paying for it. But again, the value of the property would be higher. So there are kind of 100% mortgages and mortgages with no deposit are fairly, fairly similar things. I can certainly remember a time when 100% mortgages were on the market. In fact, I think I can remember when lenders offered more than that. I mean, is there any real wonder the mortgage market got stuffed at one point? These days, though, right up until now, Phil, they, they become scarcer again, hadn't they? Maybe, first of all, explain why that is and... and are many lenders doing this again now? Is it, is it something that's coming back that's popular? Yeah, I mean, if if we go back in time, I mean, at, at one point, you, you could actually borrow. There was a company, Mortgage Express. They allowed you to do up to 130% mortgage, which was just quite incredible. There was the, the famous Northern Rock mortgage, the, the 125%. Yeah. It was called the, the Together Mortgage. And that allowed people to... They, they would, the way they worked it is you would actually get a 95% mortgage and then the rest was taken as an unsecured loan, but over a longer term. So that, that's how Northern Rock did their together mortgage. So back then, folk could borrow up to 125, 130% of the, the value of the property, which was just quite incredible. But the, the 100% mortgages, when, when the credit crash kind of came, there's a lot of big problems there in the, the banking sector in America, and then that impacted on, on things here. But when the credit crunch came, 
the 100% lending disappeared. And at that point, 90% was the maximum. And then it gradually went up to 95. And now we've got the likes of the Skipton one, where for some people, if you're eligible, they can borrow up to 100%, but very few options at 100%. So that, that's one of the things that I would say. But what you might find is that now that Skipton have taken out a product, you may see other lenders follow suit in due course as well. So it'll be interesting to see how things go with this option and also how things go with the property market in general as well over the next year or two. You talked about the, the, the crash there. Have some people got short-term memories though? I mean, is this a danger given the issues that have happened before to Northern Rock, for instance, back in the day? Yeah, I mean, I, I read an article recently which said that two-thirds of independent financial advisors who advise on mortgages were concerned about the risks associated with 100% mortgages. Now, where the concerns come in is that you, you've got what's called negative equity. Now, what that is, is if house prices fall, you could then end up owing more than the value of your house, and that's called negative equity. So a lot of people are concerned with this. Now, this could still happen, even if you had a, a 95 or 90% mortgage. I mean, if house prices were to go down, it is possible that you could still have negative equity in that situation. But if you take out a 100% mortgage and house prices go down, it's more likely to, to impact mm. things if you are trying to sell again in, in the future. But one thing I would say now is that lenders look at affordability in a much different way from the likes of Northern Rock would have back in the day. At that point in time, Northern Rock would allow people to borrow maybe up to five times their annual income or even as many as five and a half, six times, which was just, you, you think back now, it was just sort of ludicrous. And, and some people would say it was kind of irresponsible lending. I guess back then they were always thinking, right, property values were soaring ahead and somebody would take out 100% or 100% plus mortgage. And back then values were going up so much that within a year or two, People then did have equity in their property. But what, one good thing now is that lenders tend to look much more detail at your outgoings. So the amount that people can borrow now, it's all assessed a lot differently. So, for example, they'll now look at outgoings such as what you're paying for your energy bills, your council tax, your food bills. So that the lending is what I would class as being a lot more responsible now than, than what it maybe was in the past. Okay, back to this one. Can anybody apply for this 100% mortgage product or are there certain criteria for Skipton? Yeah, the, the Skipton criteria, to, to be eligible, you've got to meet all of the following criteria. So the, the first thing is each applicant's got to be 21 or older at the time of application. So that you'd find <laughs> a lot of mortgages are going to be like that. I've got an 18-year-old son just now buying a property and his choice of lender is restricted because of his age. But for the likes of him, he wouldn't qualify at all okay. for, for this one. So, so that was the first one. You've got to be 21 or older at the time of application. The other thing we skipped in is each buy, each applicant has got to be a first-time buyer. Uh -huh. So if you've had a mortgage before and are classed as a, a home mover, then you wouldn't, again, be able to, to qualify for this one. So that would probably knock a few people out of it. I'm out, I'm out in that uh, round yet. <laughs> current renters moving household to household so you, you've got to be renting a property and moving from one house to another. I'll explain a wee bit more about that in, in just a few moments. Other things, you've got to have proof of having paid at least 12 months consecutive rent within the last 18 months. So they, they need to see an evidence of that. You've got to have 
12 months experience paying all household bills. So they're looking at things like your utility bills, your council tax bills. So again, they're looking for track record that, that payments have been met there. If you did have some money for a deposit for this product, it's got to be less than 5% of the, the purchase price to, to qualify as well. They, they do also have a maximum loan of 600,000. So I guess if, if you're in maybe certain areas in London, that's going to be a, an issue because the average house price there is, is over mm-hmm. 500,000. Each applicant as well, they, they say no missed payments on debts or credit commitments. So that, that also means not just like, missed loan payments or credit card payments, but they're also looking at things like your mobile phone payments over the last six months as well. So you will find if anybody's had any missed payments, it's going to make it very difficult to to get anything here. Certainly if you've anything missed in the last six months, I wouldn't even bother kind of looking at at this one. And I, I mentioned earlier about household to household. So what that means is that the same people who are renting now and have been in the last 12 months, they've got to be the same people applying for a mortgage. So let, let's say you were staying with your partner, but wanted to try and just take the mortgage out in your name, they wouldn't accept that. It's got to be in the same names as, as who is renting currently. If someone is applying a loan, the rental and household expenditure payments must have been covered in their entirety by that client for 12 consecutive months within the last 18 months. So that, that's the kind of criteria that Skipton have got on their, the, this, they call it a track record mortgage. And they, they also have a, a track record affordability calculator, which is quite good. Now, most clients are not going to sort of go on and access that. So that's where your mortgage advisor can work out how much you can borrow and see if you meet the criteria as well. Yeah, so sitting there listening as you're going through these criteria, and and really it does start to narrow it down into sort of an actual person that they're looking for, say, a a youngish professional who's earning a fair whack and has never had any debt or missed payments or anything like that. So the the you know, and and it's the the literally when I say youngish because they're buying their first property. So and the the rent's a big factor as well. So depending. They, what they do is they look and say, right, how much are you paying a month in rent? So, so for example, if somebody was paying, I think it worked out, if you were paying £620 a month in rent, they'll allow you to borrow 100000 So they, they work out what the monthly payment would be, and then they, they're basing it on that, not just your, your income as well. And that's why it's called the track record mortgage, because they're looking at your track record of having paid rent over the, the period of time. Yeah. Okay. What What are the interest rates on this, Phil? Yeah, the the Skipton track record mortgage at the minute the fixed rate it's a fixed rate for three years and it's currently five point four nine percent. So again, with this product, I mean it can get withdrawn at, at any time. So one, it's checking that it's still there, but also checking what the rates are applicable at the time that you're you're looking at it as well. But as things stand today, we're just currently at the the end of May. The interest rate, 5.49% fixed for, for three years. If you're borrowing £100,000 over a 25-year term, the monthly payment is coming in at about £613 a month. So that gives somebody an idea. You could take, a, depending on your age, you could take the payment over 30 years or 35 years. That would take the the, the amount you're paying down, which again means that if you weren't paying as much in rent, that might help there. One good thing with the track record mortgage from Skipton as well is that there isn't any arrangement fees or product fees, which is good because, again, going back to the the Northern Rock days, 
they they would give you maybe hundred percent mortgage, but they would add various fees on top as well. So by the time you were finished with that, it was maybe 102% that you were mm-hmm. owing. So that is um, another good thing with, with the skipped in one just now as well. And how does it, we're talking interest rates here, how does that compare to say 95% mortgages? Yeah, with, with the 95% mortgages just now, if you were looking at a two or three year fixed rate, they're currently coming in at around four and a half to 5%. Okay. So the, the interest rate on the skipped in one is a bit more but again, I suppose they, they would look at it and say, well, they could justify that because there's more risk to them, somebody somebody paying it back. But I suppose with the lenders, it's all about what risks they're taking. So their margins are a little bit more on, on that product. And are Skipton out on their own doing this just now, or are there any other lenders joining in with 100% lending? You know, there, there are a few other options that, that people can consider. I mean, if I go through some of them, Barclays... I've got what's called a, a springboard mortgage. Now, what happens with this one is that a family member deposits savings with Barclays. This then acts as security should the person taking out the mortgage fall behind with that mortgage. The downside for the person who's helping out is that they need to put down at least 10% deposit. or It's not actually a deposit, but they, they deposit... 10% of the, the amount into a bank account. Now, they get interest on that. It's not a, a huge amount, but they do earn something on it. But that funds are locked away for five years. So you need somebody to be able to, to kind of help you out with that one. So although it's a 100% mortgage, you are needing a family member to deposit security there to, to help with that one. There are some smaller building societies that offer these, uh, I, I call them like family assist mortgages. There's the Beverly Building Society, Mansfield Building Society, Buckinghamshire Building Society. But what you'll find with some of these smaller building societies is that they'll only lend in their own local areas. I mean, Mansfield, for example, where they differ from the, the Barclays one is that they need 20% of the amount deposited. And, and there with them, it's got to be held in an account for seven years. So some of these money's tied up in that time and they, they can't get it out. With, with the Mansfield Building Society, they only lend in England and Wales. They will do selected Scottish postcodes. But again, that's where a good mortgage broker can come in because they can look at your circumstances, look at where you're based look at all the, the different options that, that are available. We, we have got other things as well. Another option that somebody can do, Santander, what, what they allow you to do is they'll give you a 95% mortgage and then the deposit can be financed with an unsecured loan. Now, the problem's there. The unsecured loan isn't allowed to be with Santander. It's got to be with a, a different company. What you will find, though, is that if you're applying for personal loans, and are telling institutions that that money is being used as a deposit and a mortgage, you often find that they're not so keen on lending people money under that circumstances. If you're taking out a personal loan to buy, say, a car or home improvements, they're okay with that. But if if you go and tell a lender that you're wanting a personal loan for a deposit on a house, a lot of lenders are not going to be so so keen on that. So the Santander one, it can be an option if, if you can get a, a personal loan for the 5%, the only downside with that is then the affordability. You've got the loan payments on top of a mortgage payment. So it is a way of getting 100% lending, but Santander themselves only allow you to borrow the the 95%. 
Sorry, you got a question there, John? Yeah, so I, I'm just raising my hand, uh, Headmaster. Yes, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the 5% that you have to source from the loan, why are other lenders not so keen on, on giving you that personal loan if you say it's for a, a mortgage deposit? Yeah, if, if, I, I would say probably the main reason is that they worry about the, the negative equity and getting paid back as right. well. Okay. So, so they would look at it and say, well, hang on. Their view would be you should be trying to save a deposit and show that you can afford it. So lenders do tend to be a bit funny with, with that. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess only the lenders could could answer that question. But I think, again, it's all down to, to kind of risks is, is what they would do. Another thing that, another kind of yeah, work around around things is that you can get secured loans up to 100% if you already own a property. Now, what option this could give people is that it might give them scope to borrow the deposit for someone. So maybe like a close friend or family member might say, right, we'll give you the deposit initially as a, a yeah, almost as like a gift or, or not a gift, but as a like a loan. And then once the, the mortgage has actually gone through, you could then apply for a secured loan. And as long as you met the criteria, you can borrow up to 100%. On the secured loans. So at that point, you could then pay that person back at that stage. But again, where, where you've got to watch is that you meet all the criteria and that you're agreed for it. And I guess, again, the risk to somebody giving you the money and then getting it back, that that, that probably comes with, with its risks as well. So people might not be, be willing to do that. Another 100% lending option is sometimes available and you, you get what's called shared equity and shared ownership properties. Now, there's a lot of different schemes available for this. In Scotland, we used to have what was called the, the lift scheme. There's various different guises across the, the UK, but some lenders, when they view the loan to value off the percentage of the property that you're buying, so so for example, let's say that you're, you're buying uh, and the value of the property is 100,000 and you're owning 80%, there are lenders that would consider allowing you to borrow 100% of the 80%. So again, you could say that's 100% lending, although that's based on your share of the, the property under those sort of schemes. So again, a good mortgage broker can keep you right with what schemes are available at the time you're looking to buy and what lenders might be able to to who you might fit the criteria in that sort of circumstances. It's amazing, really, isn't it? The way I mean, the, just some of the the options you've detailed there. It's amazing the way that different institutions crunch numbers and come up with offers and and and, and try to find things that will entice potential customers. Definitely, I mean, we're seeing, like I said earlier, I think there'll be more kind of innovation coming. The the scripting product. Again, some people are like, oh, that's not a good idea. And then others are like, oh, great. It helps people get on the property ladder. And I guess the way you could look at it is and say, right, if somebody can afford £1,000 a month in rent, then they could afford a mortgage of £1,000 a month if, if it's doable for them. And at that point, within that, you're paying the interest, but you're also paying off some of the capital. So un unlike paying somebody else's mortgage, the track record mortgage allows you to be taking out a mortgage that would be affordable and then you're gaining from, from property. And, and normally over a longer period in time, property goes up in value, but I mean, it, it doesn't always. I mean, there are periods where things can go down as well. I mean, I, I'm just in the process of, of buying a flat for my son 
And and with that one, the the folk originally paid one hundred and five thousand for it. It was then valued at ninety thousand, and we've managed to get it for sixty. Which so, so that's a huge drop. So I mean, yeah. if somebody took out a hundred percent mortgage, uh, even based on ninety thousand pound valuation, cheaper as if I mean the true value is what somebody's willing to pay for something. So what I would say to buyers is try and get somewhere such a good price initially. That that always helps as well. Uh, on on the idea of lenders, Phil, and and the difference nowadays in comparison to to days gone by, if we look at again the Skipton as an example, the parameters criteria that they have for you being able to apply and take out that mortgage are are fairly restrictive. Can we depend on these financial institutions, these lenders these days, almost to look after us and and be responsible for us in terms of letting us know whether we are in a position to afford a mortgage with them. I mean, they're they're looking after themselves as well. I know in that process, but are they yeah. more responsible lenders now than previously? Because when you're talking about the likes of you know someone giving you a hundred and thirty percent mortgage and it was a hundred plus a you know an unsecured loan for the thirty percent, that's not responsible lending. That I mean that that was yeah. that was a crazy period. So are they more trustworthy now? Are they more responsible? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say one one of the things with the lenders is they don't want to lose money. The last thing they want is to lend money to people and not have them paying it back. What, one other thing which is good for clients is, is there's a thing coming in called consumer duty. And that comes in very soon. And basically, financial advisors have to comply with this. Lenders have to comply. And, and basically, it means that, for example, Skipton have got a duty to the consumer to treat them fairly to give them products that aren't that good, like people won't fall into financial difficulty. And I guess the good thing, as I say with this one, is that they're looking at what you're paying in rent. So they can evidence and say, right, okay, you've afforded that over the last year or so. So yeah, we're fine. We'll allow you a mortgage mm. of this amount. And we know that you can afford to be paying that each month. So it is that lenders are definitely a lot more responsible than there was a spell where things just got a bit out of hand, but things are are definitely a lot more better in that sense these days. Yeah, but you you're talking about a consumer duty, so so they are required by law, if you like, to be, to yeah. be more ethical, but to be more responsible and not just to get a sale over the line. That's uh, it. Same as well, like from a, a financial advisor point of view. I mean, for for example, consumer duty to us means that. If we set up a mortgage for somebody, we've also to speak to them about protecting it. So, so the regulator would expect us to say, look, you should be considering things like life insurance, income protection, accident sickness, unemployment cover. So it, it's just like an added layer of protection for the consumer is, is basically what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Now it comes to the part of the show where Phil looks back over the course of his own life, both professionally and personally, to find an example of how today's topic has affected his own situation. So, Phil, mortgages with no deposit, what do you have in that? Over the last few weeks, since since the Skipton 100% or track record mortgage came out, we've been getting flooded with inquiries. And and I, it's probably the most inquiries we've had coming in for, for a long time. What I would say is that most inquiries that are coming in that there isn't that many that are actually meeting the mm. criteria for it. Probably, I, I don't know, maybe about 10, 15, 20% are actually meeting that criteria. But at least it's it's getting people 
thinking, right, is this an option? Can't we do anything? And it just shows, I think, that level of inquiries that there is a demand. People want to be able to get on the property ladder. And, and if prices have dipped slightly for, for various reasons, I mean, some areas are, are doing better than others. I mean, I, I know in our local area, the, the prices have, have taken a bit of a dip, but there's other areas where house prices are still rising. But it, it just shows that people still want to get on the property ladder. They, they want to be able to own their own home. And, and I think, although the, the Skipton mortgage option won't be available for everyone, at least there will be some people that that helps onto the property market. And then if, if that then means that somebody that they're buying from can then move on themselves, it has a positive impact on like almost a domino effect down the line as well. So I, I personally think it's a, a good thing. Skipton, I, I used to work for Skipton many years ago. Oh, I remember. A great company. I, I Skipton's still a building society. So they, they're a mutual organization that's owned by its members, unlike the banks who are owned by their shareholders. And, and Skipton's there to try and make a profit. But in theory, that profit should go back to provide a better service and better rates for, for their clients. But they are, they're, they're pretty innovative and forward thinking. And I think this track record mortgage kind of just shows that as well. Okay. Uh, next, it's time for the quote of the week. Phil's always been a fan and collector of quotes for as long as I've known him. What do you have on our topic for this week? Mortgages with no deposit, Phil. Not sure where the, this quote came from, but if you want something you've never had, you must do something that you've never done. Now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your query. So if ever you want to email a question to us, Please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you prefer. Let's get on to this week's contact details coming up in a second. I'll give it to you after these. This first one's from Ian McMurdo in Elgin. Hi, Phil. I don't want to make this political, but one of Rishi Sunak's five pledges recently was to have the rate of inflation by the end of the year. Do you see this happening? The Bank of England, they, they've been raising the, the Bank of England-based lending rate. And the main driver of that is to try and reduce inflation. Um, the Office for Budget Responsibility, or OBR, as they're often known, it, it can assess as the government's plans. And they'd previously predicted inflation would fall back to around 3% by the end of the year. Now, whether that happens or no, I guess only time will tell. We, we are starting to see energy prices kind of coming down. Some food costs have been continuing to rise, so it looks like we're still a fair way off kind of hitting the Bank of England's 2% target. There was actually, er, earlier in the week, the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, they, they'd kind of predicted that there was still more pain to come, although they did say that the UK economy was performing better than, than what they'd probably thought it, it might. So it's a hard question to answer, but I personally then I think it will be down to that. I doubt it's sort of 3% by the end of the year, but only time or time will tell. I mean, one, one thing I would say is lower inflation doesn't actually mean prices fall. It just means that they're stopped rising so yeah. quickly. That's, yeah. that's something that's quite important to bear in note as well. That's one of those things that I don't think a lot of people get, which is, as you say, it, it just means they're not going up as much as yeah. they were. They're still going up, just not quite as badly as it was. Next up, here's one from uh, from Lee Hepburn in Ballater who says, Hi, Phil. I own a window cleaning business on D-Side and recently, out of the blue, I had an offer for the business. I wasn't expecting it and I've never been approached previous to this, so I have no clue what the value of my business would be or how I go about finding out. Any recommendations? No, 
probably a good place to start is to speak to your accountant or you could speak to a, a tax advisor. Accountants, I'm sure, come across this quite regularly. They, they would look at things like the profitability of the business. They, they would also keep you right as well because I think one thing that they would do is they usually would go to HMRC and say, look, we've valued it at this and this is the reason why. They, they would also be able to advise you on the tax side of things as well because look, depending on how your business is set up, that would determine what you, you would have to pay on a, a tax side. But it's likely that you would qualify for, well, it's or sorry, if you sell a business, it's likely that you would have capital gains tax to pay, although you've got capital gains tax allowances, and you may also qualify for what's called business asset disposal relief. This was previously known as entrepreneur's relief. And, and basically, if, if you qualify for that, the, the rate of tax could be reduced from say 20% to, to 10%. So that might help you pay less in tax if you're disposing of a business sale as well. But definitely a good starting point, I would say, be go and speak to your accountant or, or tax advisor. I used to get, and I'm sure you've, you probably get these hand over fist, but I, I used to get a lot of queries out of the blue saying, want to know how much your business is worth. We want to find out and we, we, we might have interested buyers and all that sort of stuff. They were just sort of like cold calls, but, you know, via email. Are, are those ever a good option to, to get any kind of assessment? We get, I, I get people contacting me all the time saying, oh, we've got companies that are keen to buy your business. And mm -hmm. like financial advice businesses, it used to be just, they, they would say, right, what's your recurring revenues? Multiply it by, say, four bang, that's how much you're getting. But really, they, they, there's something called EBITDA, and that's like your adjusted earnings that, that they look at. So a lot of companies, if they're looking to buy, they'll look at things like what's your, your kind of net profit of the business? What would the profit be if you weren't there? So they, they'll take in all these, take in account all these sort of factors. So there's different ways people can value a business, but you get websites online where you say, how much is my business worth? But I guess like anything else, it's worth how much somebody's willing to, to pay for it. Mm, absolutely. Uh, I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics so far and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm Joe Mellis. Thanks for joining us for episode 139 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too, or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show. His address is Phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks, John.